the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So about a month ago, maybe a little more than a month ago, we started uh, most of our programs since after basic, so our Bible studies, youth groups, on and so forth, and we actually started one of our biggest ministries. So it's our high school ministry. It's called Youth for Truth. I don't know if uh, many of you know what that is, but myself and other priests and seminarians, we go and visit probably around uh, eight schools a week. And just to sort of paint a picture of how that goes, uh, it's me and another priest and a few seminarians. You know, we're dressed in our cassocks. Uh, we go during lunchtime, bring them some pizza, you know, and go to a random room and, you know, talk about different topics. Sometimes they're social, sometimes they're uh, theological, sometimes they're philosophical, whatever it may be. And what's interesting are the reactions we get when we walk into a school, because most of these schools are public schools. And, you know, once we walk in, they all either think we're ninjas or like wizards or, you know, just something extremely strange, okay? No one has any idea that we're priests. And especially me, because my color is usually covered by my beard, so mine, I get the best reactions. And one of the last times we went, we, the topic was, can we know God by reason alone? And that opened up a really good discussion with all of the kids. And we started talking about that, you know, can we know God by reason alone? Do we need faith? Do we need scripture to prove God's existence? And what that opened the discussion for was the people that are in the room, because believe it or not, not only Chaldeans come to this group, so we'll get all different kinds of religions and ethnicities that come. And some of the people that were there, you know, were giving us pushback, which was nice, you know, they wanted answers to their questions. And I posed a question to them. I told them, I said, look, what are some refutes that people use to disprove God's existence? And the majority of the answers were this, that we can't see God. He doesn't respond to us. How do we know he exists if he doesn't show himself to us? If I ask God for something right now, I don't receive a response. And I started to see a pattern in most of the schools that I went to with this answer. And I was thinking about it and how this could be the truth for you know, both Catholics and non-Catholics. When I pray, I'm sure we've all had this moment at some point in our lives, we pray really hard for something. We get, our, get on our knees, we go to the chapel, we start fasting, we do all these uh, pious things for this one intention and it doesn't happen. I'm sure we've all been there at some point in our lives. And it's really important to understand ourselves and how we respond to those moments where we offer a supplication to God, we leave it at His feet, and we don't necessarily get a response. And we see something similar happening in this gospel today, right? Jesus, He's in a foreign town, you know? He's there going through Tyre and Sidon, and He's approached by a woman whose daughter is possessed by a demon. What happens? She's vulnerable in front of Christ. She's giving him everything at his feet. Lord, my daughter is severely possessed by a demon. And what comes right after this? But he did not answer her a word. Jesus doesn't respond to her. What happens after this could really teach us and help us understand how 
to allow God's divine providence to work in our lives. By Jesus not responding to her, not even a word, when this woman is extremely vulnerable, it shows us a few things. It shows us the true colors of the disciples. Because after this, she obviously goes to the disciples when Jesus doesn't respond to her. And what's the reaction of them? They begged for Jesus to send her away for she is crying after us. Their response was complaining. Was complaining that this woman was suffering and she was going through a lot. And not even the disciples gave room for Christ to work in their lives. They couldn't even have a little bit of patience to allow God to work in their lives. And their response with complaining, I mean, that really shows how impatient they were, number one. Number two, how they didn't understand the full scope of the way God works in our lives. So there's two responses in this gospel today. One is the disciples complaining when Jesus doesn't respond to us. But then there's the other example with this Canaanite woman. She's a Gentile. And she shows us a better example of faithfulness to Christ because she stays persistent and she leaves a door open to God's providence in her life. And that's something Christ, brothers and sisters, he wants us to understand that although sometimes we don't get an immediate response to our supplication to him, it's not for us to judge the intentions of God. That's his business. God's business is his divine providence in our lives. And our business is being limited human beings who only see very, very little scope in our lives. And that's why, brothers and sisters, I think today it would be a good time to renew our faithfulness to Christ and understand that when we do offer Him a supplication, a request at His feet, we need to be open to the providence of God and God's will in our lives and not sort of leave it with strings attached. That if you do this for me, I'll do this for you. And if I don't hear you respond to me, then there's something I'm not going to believe in you. That's not what true friendship with Christ is. That's a friendship with benefits, and it will slowly start to crumble after time. Christ wants us to be his friends, and to be someone's friends means that we need to be open to trust, just like we trust the people around us. Think the same thing goes for our relationship with God. Amen.